Today in Australia, or in my neck of the woods of, of Australia, it's raining and cold. Now, I'm a gardener by trade, so that kind of hinders my work sometimes. So I thought, what a great time to go and get a nice, hot, strong coffee and record episode 11 for the Imperial Rebel Orc podcast. Pick up the brushes, pick up the paints, pick up the models and crank the music because it's time for the Imperial Rebel Orc podcast. So in today's episode, I wanted to talk about uh, social media and our hobby. You know, like, so all the platforms you can go on to write about our hobby, take pictures and show other people about our hobby, um, do videos about our hobby, join online groups, all that kind of thing. I had an online presence before my uh, love for the hobby was reignited. Um, I was in some porn movies. Um, (laughs) I might edit that out. No, I'll keep it. Um, But no, I, I obviously, you know, I had a personal... Facebook and I was I've mentioned before I was in a band so there was a bit of presence online with that as well but really uh I mean yeah it was kind of fun and dabbled a bit and especially the 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 Facebook was was kind of fun for a time but then to be honest um yeah I don't know I kind of just got sick of it all like it was just um I don't know like no disrespect about uh, against anybody who's got their Facebook still but for me, it just became this long scroll of of people moaning, um, people taking photos of food, um, people taking photos of their kids, which is, that's fine, like, that's fine. But when you've got so many friends, inverted commas, friends on there that, you, you know, you were friends with that kid in grade three when you were seven, and now you've found each other on Facebook, and he's putting up pictures of his kids, no offense, but like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know these people. Yes, if like, there was pictures of my cousins or, or, or my, you know, my family or whatever, or my close friends. Cool. But yeah, all these other randoms, I'm like, nah. So I started to cull. And then I just started to think, what am I doing? Like, just stop, just get off Facebook. As mentioned, we had a little bit of a presence as far as our band, but um, we were very lucky with the band that it was just word of mouth. We didn't really need to advertise or promote because we'd go and do one gig and then someone at that gig would be like, hey guys, you want to come and play at this pub? And we'd be like, yeah, cool, how much are you going to pay us? So <laughs> so it kind of just strung along like that, which worked really well. But then, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, um, the band came to an end and I was kind of left thinking, right, what's next? And, and the guy who was in the band with me, he said to me, he suggested um, painting my little miniatures, but also the key thing, starting a blog and I really didn't know or understand what a blog was I kind of thought it was just like an online diary and I suppose some people do utilize it that way um but I I was kind of like why is it just like so you just write stuff in the hope that someone's going to read it and I, I really thought who the hell is going to be interested in anything I've got to say especially about painting my little dudes my little imperial guard and my orcs that was predominantly who i had back then five years ago um (laughs) you know i just thought yeah no like that's for me but i know i I really sort of um denied for a while and then i thought ah bugger it what have i got to lose i'll give it a crack so i started imperial rebel orc blog over on wordpress and you know like anything it took me a while to sort of understand it find my way um but yeah i did a couple of little posts they really when i look back now and and reread them <laughs> you can tell it's like a new boy a new kid starting school starting a new school and uh, you, you know have you ever had that feeling like when i came to australia uh when i was seven um i had to start school obviously and i started in grade three and it was that awkwardness of walking and walking into the class and not knowing anyone. The teacher was really, really friendly. She was actually really cool. Um, and she was sort of like, oh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and all that kind of, like, oh, my name is Luke and I am from England. <laughs> so the, the first initial couple of um, blog posts were lo- sort of like that. And then I put up some very blurry pictures of orcs, I think it was. 
but you know, you find your way. Um, I started to make friends with other people. Like I started to, I started a little search engine there. So I type in Warhammer, I type in miniatures, I type in toy soldiers, whatever it was, you know, and then sure enough, you find people talking about that. So it was all about finding like-minded people and just connecting. And it went from, honestly, it went from strength to strength to strength. Now, I don't mean the um, the traffic or anything on my, my actual blog. I mean, the strength part was building these online relationships with people. And what I what I discovered straight away, like very early on in in, in the uh, in the whole process, was that um, the, the there was no trolls, there was no uh, negativity, there was no you know like people just having it. You know, like on YouTube, you'll watch a YouTube, and it might be about anything. It might be uh, how to make your own ink wash, right? And then you scroll down, look at some of the comments. Most of them will be, yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm going to use this. Thanks for this. Thanks for uploading. Da da da. And occasionally, <laughs> or too too regularly, actually, you'll get someone who goes, nah, why would you use that particular ink when you could, you know, like just negative, just or sometimes it gets even worse. Like it gets really visceral, where where people <laughs> are getting quite upset over these things. And I'm sort of sitting here scratching my head, going, guys. It's, we're talking about miniatures, we're talking about ink, whereas, <laughs> whereas, and of course, like Facebook and all these other places have got all that, those, what do they call them, keyboard warriors, I don't know why they call them warriors, because that's, a, that's a, a positive, like they should be just keyboard dickheads, but, you know, they, they want to start something just for the sake of starting something, and it happens on Instagram as well, and then, unfortunately, you get people that just can't help it like they they just have to fire back and then suddenly you've got this long online battle now I quite enjoyed reading some of those sometimes because of my own <laughs> you know uh dark humor kind of thing like it's just funny to me these people are getting all fired up over silly little things but but what I found on the blog was that there was none of that well in my experience anyway maybe you might be different but in my experience I didn't find anything like that and if people were going to be you know I suppose negative about something that you've put up they would be so diplomatic about it so it would be constructive criticism it wasn't this is shit or why would you do this when you can do it like this it wasn't like that it was just hey man like that green looks good but have you ever thought about using this green and this um, layering technique or whatever whatever it was you know but it was always very constructive so for me, the bloggersphere, uh, it, it, it's a much friendlier place because I suppose the key thing is you're finding like-minded people. So you're, but even then, I suppose, you know, like you, you hear about people going to join a club, you know, like a wargaming club, and there can be politics or there can be backstabbing and all that kind of thing there as well. Uh, but they're like-minded people. But I suppose because you're rubbing shoulders with them, you're up close and personal, maybe there's little irritants that can happen, little mannerisms or, you know, snide comments or something. Maybe maybe that's why. Maybe being in the same room as a person can sometimes make you go, oh, this person is a bit of a dickhead. But whereas online and you're talking to like-minded people, it's all – I just find it so friendly and – I like to think, and I've spoken to other people about this, and they, they sort of go, but you don't know who these people are really, and go, yeah, of course, like, the people I follow and the people that follow me, I don't know exactly who they are. They could be a bunch of murderous savages. <laughs> uh, but the fact that they enjoy sitting down painting little men makes me think that they're not, you know? Uh, well, <laughs> that could, who knows? That could be a clear sign that they are crazy. Um, I've certainly been labelled crazy for my little my little hobbies. Let's call it a, a gut instinct. But <laughs> I think the people that I communicate with via the blog are decent, hardworking um, people like me, family people, a lot of them mostly family people, who... Yeah, enjoy painting little dudes in the evening or whenever they can, and sometimes they roll around some dice, you know. So, yeah, I think for me that's been the key thing, the key grab with the blog is that it's like-minded people, and I've it's comforting because I've realised, 
I'm not the only one out there. You know, I'm not the only one who enjoys cutting up little men and adding on different bits and bobs. Um, there's, there's plenty of people out there doing that. And it's been a real eye-opener as well to me uh, how so many people approach it in their own unique way. You might get someone who is, who actually we're going to talk to later, um, a, a person who I've met via the blog who is mad into the old school stuff. So the old school world, uh, uh, sorry, old school Warhammer, the old hammer. And that's their thing. They just love copying what they've seen in older magazines and maybe adding their own little style as well and adding some vibrant colors and all that kind of thing. You've got other people who go the complete opposite, very, very dark and very, very grim and very oily looking and very uh, textured miniatures and, and put their own spin on things entirely. I honestly would love to meet a lot of the people that I that I communicate with on the blog. There's a whole list of names because it's sort of like, in my opinion, anyway. There's a community. There's a there's the bloggers fear, but then there's like this smaller group. And when I say smaller, it's probably I don't know, probably maybe 15, 20 people there that I that I would call regulars, regular visitors to my blog, and I'm re- a regular visitor to their blog. So there's something in what they do, their output, like what, what they're actually doing that grabs me and obviously something I do that grabs them. But it's also that connection with the personality. It might be the sense of humor. Um, it might be things in common, whatever. But there's there's a connection there. And I like to think that one day, I, I hope to meet a lot of these people, sit down and have a cup of tea or a beer with them and just chat the night away about our beloved hobby. I just think there will be a natural sort of uh, chemistry. Now, I pride myself on getting along with everyone anyway. It's just, I don't know, it's just how I've always been. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think I would have to make much of an effort is what I'm saying to, you know, just have a friendly chat with a lot of these uh, blog buddies of mine. So my blog is doing well. I suppose if you measure such things such as uh, followers and likes and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't really um, buy into all that. Like, it's nice, of course. Of course, it's nice to see that I've got a lot of followers and, uh, and likes and stuff. That's great. That's cool. But for me, it's about the communication. So it's about the the quality, not the quantity, let's say. So I love the interaction. I love when people, people can just say, that's awesome, man, well done. Or um, I especially like it when people say, that's really cool. Have you tried doing it this way? Or, uh, you know, when, when they're sort of actively getting involved and actively trying to help me, that's, that's awesome. And that's what I try and do as well. Like, yes, of course, it's always nice just to say, that's, I love what you've done. A nice pat on the back, of course. But yeah, when there's a bit more sort of conversation, that's when I get excited. I would say I'm fairly prolific on the blog. Um, simply because there's so much going on in my head and I love the hobby so much and I love, you know, creating and making little things that I, once I've finished painting something or building something, I find it very hard not to want to share it and show people (laughs) what I've done and get their, get their feedback, you know? Um, because sometimes I think I've done things and I can tell the feedback maybe sort of like, oh yeah, it's good. And that doesn't always sway me, but it might might like might not stop me from that particular project, doing that particular project. But it gets me thinking differently about it. I might go, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe they didn't like the head. And when I look at it with a new set of eyes, I go, hmm, they could be right. Maybe I need to make these changes. I'll I'll always I'll always treat the hobby as my own. So I'm not doing it for anyone else but for me. But getting the feedback from people that I trust and admire, um, yeah, helps me sort of um, sometimes push myself, uh, helps me expand, helps me sort of step outside the square even more so (laughs) than I already do. Occasionally, and I'd say very occasionally for me, you have a bit of a dry spell. You know, real life might sort of uh, take over a bit more than usual. You're busy with work, you're busy with family. Uh, Late last year, I moved house. So that was kind of, um, you know, like that took a big chunk of energy out of me and it took a while to set up my hobby room. So therefore, I wasn't really doing much in the way of the hobby. I was still still looking at other people's blog posts, of course, and, and commenting and liking. 
but for me, yeah, there wasn't a lot going on. And what I what I love is that quite a few blog followers, uh, blog buddies, I like to call them, um, emailed me uh, privately and said everything okay. You're you're right. We haven't really you know you haven't really been around as much as you usually are. Usually you're you're bugging us a lot more than you have been. <laughs> haven't seen any models come up, you know, and I I really really appreciate that because that takes it to a whole new level. They're not just this, you know, um, faceless avatar. Uh, well, sometimes they put up their own face, but you know, generally, you know, they're not just this this entity online. They become very real people who give a crap about you. And that's really comforting and really, really nice. I jumped over to Instagram about two years ago, I think it was, might be a little bit longer than that now, um, because I, again, I wanted to share and all that kind of thing. But what I've found with Instagram, it's similar, similar to the blog, I suppose, is that it's a great source of inspiration. So whereas on the blog, I'm being inspired by the people and what they're writing and what the photos they're putting up and, and who they are and the help that they give, the on the Instagram, and obviously that's that's why it's called Instagram. You're getting that instant satisfaction, gratification, whatever you want to call it. That instant thing, that instant inspiration. Because <laughs> you scroll through and you go, "Wow, that's cool. Oh, that's good. That's really cool." And you're making all these mental notes as you scroll through. So, as much as it's about sharing. Yeah, for me, it's more about looking what everybody else is doing. And and that's cool. That's really cool because there's so many people on Instagram. Whereas I find the blog is um, it's great, but it's a little bit more limited as far as my particular interests, my, my particular niche of like, oh, that's really, really cool. Where, yeah, whereas Instagram's got a lot going on. And yes, you still get, you get stuff that maybe you know, doesn't always tick the box, but you can still appreciate what they're doing and all that kind of thing. And yeah, I find it, I find it such a great source of inspiration, but on the flip side, it's not really the best for like communication in my experience. Sometimes, you know, others might go, no, it's great. You can do this, you can do that. But in my experience, I, I get the likes and I get a thumbs up and I get that's cool or whatever. Um, but there's no real conversation on there. And I guess it's because it's just the nature of the of the the platform. You know, it's not really there to engage. It's there to promote. You know, does that make sense? That's that's how I kind of feel about it anyway. The only other social media that I have for my hobby is this is this humble little podcast that you're listening to right now. I still feel like it's in its infancy. Um, what's this episode eleven? But because they're short episodes, I'm sort of cranking them out, doing two a week now, as, as, as you well know. Uh, I'm enjoying it, and I find, obviously, Instagram and the blog is a good place to promote the podcast. Uh, and it's not really, I'm not really getting many comments and stuff on the podcast so much, but um, I am getting quite a few emails, which is quite nice. Uh, one guy actually emailed me just a couple of days ago. Now he's only called. His email is is just James D three. I won't say where at and blah blah blah. But James D three. Now I don't know. He didn't indicate whether he's come from the blog, like he's found me there, or if he's found me via Instagram. I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure who this guy is. But he said, you know, really enjoying the podcast, and uh, he particularly liked the uh, more recent one about the Imperial Guard. So that's. That's awesome. I love, you know, um, getting emails like that, getting getting responses like that. I had another guy who said um, he thinks that the podcasts are too short. That was kind of nice too, I suppose. But um, yeah, I sort of explained that I'm, I like keeping them uh, brief because one, it makes it easier for me to do, to compile. Plus, I have a tendency, you may have noticed, I have a tendency to go off on tangents. <laughs> and end up talking too much. So I'm really trying to hone it and rein it in to keep it succinct and concise. Ironically though, this uh, particular episode is going to be the longest because we are uh, into, we've got our first interview um, on this episode with uh, Mr. Classic 40K. So let's get into some of that. Imperial Rally. 
Balog Podcast. The hobby spotlight this week is a it's a special one because I'm actually doing an interview with the hobbyist. He goes online. He goes by the name of Classic Forty K over on Instagram and also his his blog on WordPress. Um, yeah, gave him a call. Had a really nice chat. Uh, really top fella. He's an Aussie bloke as well, just like me. And yeah, I personally think the interview went swimmingly. G'day, this is Luke from Imperial Rebel Org Podcast. We're about to give Classic 40K a call and do a bit of an interview. Let's see how we go. This is live, people. number you have dialed has been disconnected. Optus advises that the number you have dialed has been disconnected. <laughs> Optus advises that the... Oh dear, maybe I got the number wrong. I'll be back in a tick. Let's just try that again, eh? Uh, right, so I did screw up the number, so let's try again. <coughs> I hope he picks up. Hello. Hello, is that Mr. Classic 40K? That's me. G'day, mate. How are you? Pretty good. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Are you nice and close to the phone? I am. Okay, beauty. It's just a bit quiet, that's all. Usually uh, it's a bit louder than that, but that's all right. Um, how's your night been? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty... Just doing a bit of hobby. Uh, oh, know. lovely. Me too. What are you up to? Painting some classic Eldar at the moment. Ah, oh, classic Eldar still, still on that train, are you? Yeah, yeah, at the moment, that's what I'm working on. Um, got a few other things going on in the background, but um, what I've been doing tonight and for the last couple of weeks, so Is this enjoying usually, that. I've called you, obviously, at, what is it, quarter to nine. Is this usually the time you can sort of settle down and do some hobby work? Yeah, once the kids have gone to bed, but um, normally the time I try and break out the hobby stuff and, uh, yeah, do a little bit of painting or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Me too. Occasionally, yeah. like during the weekend day, I'll manage to get some sort of stuff done, but usually it's when all the kids are in bed and it's nice and quiet. I can put some music on and then sort of chip away. But um, but yeah, today I was lucky, managed to uh, get a fair bit done actually. But um, so the classic, so your, obviously your online presence is classic 40K. Um, that's right, yeah. And that's obviously because you've got a passion for the old school stuff, yeah? That's right. Yeah, that is probably my main my main hobby passion. Now, if you don't mind me saying, you sound younger than I imagined. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe you're seventy five years old, but you sound you sound younger than me. If you don't mind me asking, well, how old are you? I'm thirty two. Oh, okay. But you you've got a, a passion for the old school stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, so when I got into the hobby. Um, it was sort of at the tail end of second edition 40K. Okay. Um, so that was probably in around about 1996, 1997. And okay. third edition 40K came out sometime in 1998. Um, so to my mind, the sort of classic era of 40K ends sometime around the year 2000. And you, you, you're um, speaking to someone who's a bit of a novice when it comes to, you know, the history. So why why does the classic sort of come to an end around then? Um, well, that's just my spin on it. Um, okay. on, on the, I mean, this is all subjective, I suppose. I yeah. mean, there is a lot of um, old hammer on the internet that you come across and that generally seems to be sort of the more 1980s, very early 90s Games Workshop stuff. Yeah, okay. Um, that, that Rogue Trader and um, third edition Warhammer. And I think um, there are a lot of people that sort of like that older sort of stuff, but not quite that old. And I think the, the turning point seems to be when... Um, Mike McVeigh came onto the painting team and started to put out a lot of painting tutorials in White Dwarf and um, so on, which featured a lot of red in them. Oh, okay. And that, that seems to be the sort of 
what has become the Middle Hammer era. Right, okay. And, um, and that sort of fourth and fifth edition Warhammer, um, second edition 40K, um, features a lot of those really bright colours, um, a lot of red, um, high saturation, high contrast paint schemes, um, and all that sort of thing. And that just Which, that just seems to like sort of tick the box for you. Yeah, um, I've tried to think about sort of why I like this sort of stuff yep. over the years, and um, I think it's it's a combination of things. Um, I do like the bright paint schemes, but I always feel a tension in myself about whether to paint things more realistic or whether to paint them in stupid bright colours, <laughs> and I do, I do sort of seem to come down on the side of the bright colours. Okay, look, um, I mean, to my eye, I love it. I love anything to do with Warhammer, really, but, like, it is quite um, it's quite cartoony, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just mean, like, yeah, as you say, it's very, very bright, vivid colours compared to what people are doing today, including myself, is very um, hashtag, you know, grimdark. Like, it's really sort of dirty and chipped and grotty, you know. So, where, do you, do you, you can educate me here. Do you know when the change happened from that sort of more vibrant uh, colour palette over to the more grim? Um, look, I don't know exactly when it happened, but um, some of the earliest things I can remember seeing in that were um, very early on in the piece. I mean, there was a White Dwarf article that I can remember that Ali Morrison did a Dark Angels Predator tank in the way that you would model a World War II scale model oh, with okay, all the right. sort of realistic effects. So quite weathered. Um, quite weathered. Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally think a lot of the scale modelling stuff that is done is a bit too weathered because um, any military vehicles that I've seen in real life are really clean, really well looked after. Yeah, that's I imagine well maintained. That the, yeah. yeah, the sergeant major would definitely kill you off if you are uh, <laughs> any any chips in the paint. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I'm really not sure how realistic it is to actually have all those chips in the paint and yeah, rust yeah, okay. and all that sort of thing, but having said that, I mean, when you look at it on the... Oh, sorry, you go. Oh, I mean, when you look at it on the computer screen or on a photo or whatever, it it looks more realistic than a really bright, glossy um, tank or whatever you're looking at. Yeah. I mean, that's... But it's all about playing those tricks on the mind, I suppose, as to how things look. That's right, and I Um, think think for me, like painting in a rougher sort of fashion, um, maybe I'm masking my own lack of skill, you know? <laughs> and I think that's why, like, I'm a big fan of orcs, for example, because there's lots of chipping, lots of rust, lots of null oil, you know? So <laughs> so you can... And I'm talking more modern-day orcs, of course, but, but yeah, I guess that's why I go for the more... I, I quite like the more ragtag look anyway, but, yeah, I'm sort of covering the fact that I can't – I don't know, I've tried and tried, but I can't do those nice, clean sort of finishes that you you achieve really, really well, you know. So if you can teach me something, I'm all ears, but maybe a bit of patience, I don't know. But, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, I think the um, the dirtiness of it all covers the lack of skill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it, um, it can do. I um, I've always um – tried to sort of paint the brighter sort of way, but it has taken me a number of years to actually work out how to do that effectively. So um, have, you, have you been pretty much painting since you were a kid? Like, have you been non-stop or have you had a break or...? Yeah, so when I um, first got into it, um, my, my dad was always into... He was mostly into remote control planes. Oh, okay. Um and this was back in the day before you could buy a, a kit, really. So you had to build them out of balsa wood. Oh. Um, and so I guess through that, um, he tried to give us, me and my brothers, some easier stuff to do, which when he went to the hobby store, he would buy you know, himself some hobby supplies and he would get an easy 
to put together an airfix type kit or whatever for a, usually an aeroplane, so a Spitfire or a you know, German BF-109 Messerschmitt type thing. For you to have a bit of a tinker um, with? Yeah, and we would just have a, a play with it and put them together. And I don't really remember when I first got into Games Workshop stuff, but I think it was probably seeing some of that the Games Workshop stuff when we went down to the hobby store and asking for a box of that. Okay. But I do, I do remember my dad eventually relenting and buying me it when it was my birthday and he bought me a Warhammer um, paint set, one of the beginner paint sets that came oh, okay. with like you know, nine paints, with a couple, a couple of, space of brushes paints. and yeah, and the Space Marines. I got the Warhammer one that came with the Lizard Man. Okay, cool. Um, and just because I was also into dinosaurs, obviously, being a young boy. At yeah, the time. I like my dinosaurs too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and painted them up. And then when I was a kid, it was just about the painting. Um, I didn't play the game back then. I didn't know anyone who played the game. Um, so I painted up the Lizard Man. And then the next thing I bought was Space Marines and painted them. Yep. Um, and that sort of pattern went back and forth of just buying whatever took my fancy. So, and um, what kind of age are we talking? Like, were you like 10 years old or was you more like 14, 15? No, this was about from, yeah, when I was 8 to 10. Um, okay, yep. Around about that sort of time. Yep. Um, I got the second bed box at some point in there, but never really played it. I think maybe had a couple of attempts to play the game with my brothers Okay. Um, around that time. Um, but, yeah, it's essentially been painting ever since, you know, so, so there's been 96, 97. So there's been no break. You know, like quite often the story is that, you know, uh, we, we see it when we're a kid and we sort of fall in love with it and start painting them and, and mucking around, building them and all that kind of thing. And then there's that break. There's that break from, you know, when we sort of reach late teens or adulthood and then suddenly we're working and blah, 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 and we kind of lose contact with the with the hobby, you know, and then we come back to it in later life. But you're, uh, have you just kept the candle burning, you know? Have you kept it going all the way along? No, there was a bit of a break in there, um, and that was probably around the end of high school through to... yeah. The first year or so of university. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, you sort of get interested in girls and beer and all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sort of takes a bit of a higher priority. Yeah, I never made a sidetrack, don't we? Yeah, you get sidetracked. You never sort of make a conscious decision to actually put everything in boxes and put it in the shed or whatever. Yeah. And what, um, and what was it that brought you back to the hobby then? <clears throat> um, good question um, because when I got back into the hobby yep. I got back into some historical miniatures oh, okay. I really can't remember why I did that um, but I think I think what happens is that um, or what happened in my case is you don't just jump straight back into um grabbing some models and putting some paint on them. Um, at this time, the internet exists and you sort of think, oh, you know, I wonder what's going on in the hobby these days and you do a Google search or whatever. Yep. Um, and you think, oh, you know, there's some cool stuff going on. Um, I'll grab some of that. Okay, and, so you uh, you know, there, mu there must have been, yeah, there must have been a period of, you know, a, a few weeks or a month or whatever of just, you know, thinking about getting back into it before then taking the plunge and yeah, okay. uh, buying some miniatures um, and put the, put some paint on um, a few things. I mean, I think it's just there is an enjoyment aspect to it, and when you're not doing it, you miss that yeah, aspect of a way to relax. See, for me, it was um, always sort of in the back of my mind. Like there was lots of other things going on. I got involved in bands and things like that, as well as work and. Um, you know, meeting girls and settling down and all that kind of thing happens as well. But it was kind of always in the back of my mind that I would like to get back into it. I didn't know what kind of capacity that that was, but 
eventually, yeah, eventually the same sort of thing. Eventually, I was sort of looking online and then thought, oh, bugger it, I'll just pick up some some models and have a bit of a paint and a bit of a fiddle with them, you know? So <laughs> that was me. I reckon that's pretty much what I did. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then um, I did, did that for a few years yeah. um, because I, get, I remember getting back into 40K when they released the Grey Knight. Oh, okay. Um, they, yeah. The revised version of them in about, it'd be the early 2000s. Okay. Um, and I just love those models, bought a whole bunch of them, and I was fully back into 40k after that. So, so um, what's uh, on that sort of similar vein? What's the most appealing thing about the hobby for you? Like, what's the real grab? Like, what's that thing that just makes you think about it? You know, want to do it more often than you can probably. And you know, what's that? What's that one big tick that just just you know is everything to you? Um, I think collecting. Okay, I love. I love collecting the things that I wanted to have when I was a kid and the things that I want these days. Yeah. Um, but also not just having them in some sort of museum of unopened boxes. I want to <laughs> pull them out of the boxes. I want to put some paint on them, um, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that. And then gaming is a more secondary part of it. I do, I love the process of collecting them, painting them, um, and putting putting my own sort of spin on them, I guess. Yeah, that's that's um, probably one of my favourite things too, making them yours, you know. Yes, they might belong to a certain faction and have a certain law behind them, but making them your own is, as I think, that's essential to me. It's the Imperial Rebel Org Podcast! Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, I'd like the gaming side of it is just realistically, I would like to spend more time gaming than what I do, but okay. everyone is busy. Um, you know, it's hard to get people in the same room at the same time to play a game. Yeah. Um, so I do spend more of my time painting than gaming, but it's I think they sort of... It's interesting because it's, um, it's one of those things, and I think I've already mentioned this on the podcast before, that when we were kids, right, now you're probably in the same boat, um, you wanted all these models and you had all the time in the world to sit down and paint them and, and, and play the game, but we just didn't have the money. Well, I certainly didn't. I had pocket money coming in, but that was back then it was like $5 a week, so really it was going to take a long time to save up for anything. And then fast forward you know, 20 years and you've got the money, but you don't have the time, or if you do have the time, then you've got to make sure it sort of um, coincides with your your playing friends or your, your club or whatever that it's going to suit them and that they can be there at a certain time and all that kind of thing as well. So it's, yeah, it's tricky, but I suppose like anything, it just takes some planning, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, it's all about um, what your priorities are, I think. Yeah. Um, so... You've always got time to do the things that matter to you. That's and right. number one is my family. Yeah. And then sort of competing for number two is probably my job and my toy soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, talking about all the things that you've collected over the years, um, have you got a, a particular army or a particular miniature that you're, um, it's your favourite or that you, you know, is um, your proudest sort of piece? Um, the proudest thing that I've painted myself, I think, would be a Skaven Warband that I did for a Mortheim tournament is that, um, a is couple that of the, years ago. Is that the, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, Scootven or something? Sc- um, the, the Ratman, I've, I've always said Skaven. No, but, no, no, um, the actual name of your ones though. Oh, um, Clan Scrutons. Scrutons. Yeah. <laughs> Scrutons, that's it, yeah. Now, they're they're awesome. They're so, vi- they're like talking to vibrant. They're very, very vibrant, which is, 
which is a nice sort of change. And like I said before, I sort of I'm used to the more recent, I, I guess, approach to painting, which is sort of very grim and and murky. So seeing your Skaven uh, on your blog, um, yeah, it was kind of a nice surprise because they're really bright and vibrant, and dare I say, like they they kind of look happy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, they're really cool. I mean, they, I thought it would be a bit different to what people mostly do, and mm. the actual scheme I chose, which is sort of skaven with medium brown fur, and then they've got yellow robes with bright red flames um, on them, and that was a scheme that I took out of the fifth edition Warhammer army book. Oh, okay. Um, right. They had the um, heavy weapon, um, Giselle, which is the sort of long gunner um, teams were oh, yeah. done in this sort of scheme. Yep. And um, I sort of picked that for the warband. And I have to say people were sort of surprised to see um, bright yellow skater. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> our, but, uh, um, our mutual friend on the blogosphere, uh, Woodugas, he obviously did his Skaven in the last year or so, and he did some yellow, but it was still, I wouldn't say it was bright yellow, was it? It was still very grim. Yeah, it was um, yeah, a bit more of a subdued sort of colour. Yeah. Um, which I, I think, realistically speaking, um, yellow clothes are sort of one of those colours that are easy to come across. So okay, yeah. um, I think historically um, in the Dark Ages and, and whatever, um, people would have had potentially yellow, green, red sort of clothes because those are easy natural dyes to come across. But, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think his sort of are more in that sort of realistic Dark Age sort of yellow, whereas mine are in a sort of um, very bright uh, shade that wouldn't be so easy to come across naturally. That's but, true. Um, one of the things I um, I love about yours is that um, you mentioned it before, like the flames and things like that. Your freehand work is exceptional, my friend. Like it's it's really cool. I don't know my freehand work. I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I think I'm not the most patient person. So I think. It, that comes into play. If I if I if I attempt it two, three, four times, um, that's a good day. And if I still haven't got it right, then I kind of just go, "Oh, screw this," <laughs> you know, and give up. Which isn't a great approach, but yeah. But yours, oh man, it's it's very very fine and very very precise and and really really cool. If you, you must have a very very steady hand, do you? I I think the trick is with mine is to keep it simple. Um, okay. And I certainly, the flames, I practiced a lot. Um, just whenever I had excess paint on my brush, um, on my palette, I would just, instead of just wiping my brush clean, I would just do practice doing some flames. Oh, okay. Um, and, and also it is, I think it is just simple and straightforward. And I think... My freehand certainly isn't up to the standard of being able to do a, a, some sort of renaissance artwork on a banner or something like that, but okay. flames and symbols I can do. Actually, speaking of and symbols, your, um, I don't know, you'd have to forgive me, but are they are they runes on your most recent Eldar um, on their helmets? The symbols on their yeah. helmets, that's freehand? Yeah, three hands, yeah. That's in, that's incredible because we're talking. I mean, to my eye, it looks like it's as thin as like a hair, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but somehow you've managed to work out these markings. Like, yeah, it just boggles my mind because I I just I just I don't know. I just don't have the patience. I think there's something I've got to learn. But yeah, really impressive stuff. Yeah, well, thanks, man. Um, they're not the easiest part of doing it, and. Yeah. There is always an element of um, sometimes I've had models where I've planned to do a freehand on them yeah. and then I've been really happy with the way that you know their robes or whatever have turned out and I've thought, no, I don't want to risk ruining this okay. um, by doing a freehand on it. But, um, but usually I'll, if I plan to do it, I'll do it. And okay. I think it, it definitely 
my tip for that for anyone who would want to have a crack at it. Yep, I'm always. <laughs> is keep it simple. Um, so the flames, they're really just a straight line that you add some wiggles onto the edge of. Um, the, the runes that I've done on the Elder are really just a series of straight lines. And um, so if you just break them down into their parts, I mean, you can, if you set your mind to it, you can probably paint a straight line. Yeah, um, and so it's just um, a matter of painting a number of different straight lines set at different angles to each other. And if you can, try to avoid doing them on places where you've done highlights so that if you muck it up and you have to touch an edge back up, you're just doing it with the base colour without having to then ah, redo highlights over it. That's a really good point, actually, because, yeah, I think sometimes I... I, I look at a model and I think, hmm, it's done. I've done all the highlighting. It's pretty much finished, but I'd like to add something else to it. And then if I try some freehand, then, yeah, then I've kind of al- almost got to go back to the base colour, you know? So that's a, I think that's a really good tip for me anyway. <laughs> so what are, you, yeah. uh, what are you currently working on, my friend? Um, currently I'm working on the Eldar. Um, okay, yep. As, as you said um, before, what my sort of proudest hobby thing was, it was the... Skaven, and part of that was that I painted them specifically for a Mordheim tournament that I took part in. Okay. And um, there was a deadline associated with that, which was pretty stressful as it turned out to actually meet that deadline, but it felt great to have an actual full painted, even though it's only about 20 models. I was going to ask. To be taken to. Does the, the you know how they say uh, pressure makes diamonds? So did it did the pressure uh, behind the scenes as far as you know getting them done before that set date? Is that something you rose to the occasion for, or was you like freaking out by the end and rushing things? Um, look, definitely, I took a few shortcuts, yeah, get them okay. finished in time. Um, but um, and it was it was you know a bit I was self imposed. Um, stress get them done but the result of that was a group of models that I was really happy with that okay, cool. I was putting all onto the table fully painted and, and is it, that is was it, pretty, pretty satisfying Is it something, you know, like uh, you want to get, obviously you want to get the army or the warband uh, just right for yourself but is it also a feeling of like your opponent or the other you know club members might be there checking out your models and you kind of want them to go ooh ah you know like that's cool I like how you've done this is it is it that or is it more for your own needs to have everything just right on the battlefield you know I think it's a bit of both okay. I think um, I like I mean I don't these aren't just um, they are toys, but they're not just toys. <laughs> How dare you, sir? They're, they're not toys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, what my family referred to them as. I'm like, what the hell? You don't understand what they are. So just leave the room, please. Yeah, no, they're, they're the sort of um, toy soldiers. So I, I don't shy away from them being toys, but yep. they're, not, they're not just toys because they also have an element of artistry to them. And I think a war game like we paint these things for in some ways is not just a board game where you're using tokens. Um, You're actually trying to, at some level, create a spectacle and tell a story that that you could just do with cardboard tokens and a flat board. Yeah, that's um, the fun in But that, that's just not the same. <laughs> that's right. Um, uh, I, I watched the YouTube recently, so I you, probably like yourself, you know, you sort of watch uh, tutorials and you watch um, games and stuff like that. And I found myself ended up, I ended up watching a game where the models weren't painted. They were just, and these were plastic models. They were just, so they were just grey plastic models. But they had all the terrain painted. <laughs> I remember I watched, and it went for about you know an hour or so. And I reckon I watched probably three or four minutes of it and went, "What is wrong with these people? Why are they?" <laughs> I was really judgmental. I was really like, "Why would you put models down that aren't painted?" Does that do your head in a little bit as well, or it doesn't bother you? Um, look, I have to 
say that I have a little compartment in my brain that allows me to get away with that to some extent because um, the fact is that if I refused to play a game with unpainted models, I would have played probably only a few games in the last five or ten years. Oh, okay. Um, And there is just um, an aspect where my painting is never going to be fast enough to allow me to only ever play with fully painted um, armies. But um, the time tournament I was taking part in was with a group called Radheim, who are on um, Instagram and... Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen um, that, actually, yep. Tumblr um, and and things, and they um, insisted on you bringing a fully painted um, army or warband along, which um, I didn't have at the time, and I signed up for it and got it painted, and it was a great feeling. Well done. That's good. That's well done. And my current thing is that I want to have at least one army that is 100% painted, and so I'm really trying to make an effort across this um, year to get a fully painted Eldar army for second ed 40k. Okay. Um, so that, that I've got at least one army that I can put down 100% painted onto the table and because it does make a difference. And I think there is an aspect where, um, like, if I was going to play a historical miniatures game, yep. um, which I have an interest in as well, um, and I currently have a World War Two project I'm sort of vaguely working on. Okay, cool. Um, Look forward to seeing that. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it up on my Instagram as I go along, but yep. I think I wouldn't play a game with those miniatures unpainted um, oh, because okay. I think it would spoil the sort of historical verisimilitude that you're trying to create by having a historical guru. Whereas, That's interesting. Whereas the fantasy sort of stuff is, is in your mind, it's okay, you can sort of get by with the unpainted stuff. Yeah, I think 40K, the rules, let's face it, are pretty silly. Okay. <laughs> so uh, and it is a bit more of a game. And uh, I can rationalise in my mind that, these are gaming tokens um, to be used as part of what is effectively a, a very complex board game. I see. Um, Where, it, whereas the uh, the historical, you you want the accuracy there. I want there to be more of a, an accurate, and I don't really see the point in doing it otherwise. Yeah, um, fair enough. And, and I, I accept that that position is not rational, um, but, you know, it lets me get on with what I'm doing and... Yeah. Um, play a few games and um, enjoy ourselves and, yeah. Yeah, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Hey, um, where can where can people find you online? I know, obviously, you're on the blog, but I'll let you do the spiel if you like. Yeah, so I've got a blog, which is classic 40K, so classic40k.wordpress.com. And I started that a few years ago just... As uh, well, the reason I started it, um, and this is very specific, yep. was because I had painted some Space Marines many years ago, and I wanted to paint some more, and I just couldn't remember what paints I had used to oh, get okay. the colour. Yeah, um, and uh, I couldn't recreate the same effect, and that really annoyed me. So I thought, well, from now on, I'm going to write down what colours I use. Yeah. And I thought, if I'm writing this down, I may as well um, take some photos and post it to some forums and things as well. Ah, there you go. I'm, um, well, I'm very, then, very glad that you did, and I'm sure other people are as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it has um, taken on more than what I originally intended it to um, because when I put them on forums, I sort of thought, well, I can't actually find these posts again, so maybe yeah. if I put them on a blog, that would be the easiest way that I can actually find my own work um, again. And, and yeah, the reference people. Yeah. It makes yeah, sense. People such as yourself started following along and you kept chatting to people in the comments and it um, 
became a much greater thing than what I had originally intended. Yeah, for, um, for me too. Like, definitely. I... Um my uh, a band I was in sort of came to an end, and uh, the guy in the band who happens to be uh, my best friend, he suggested that I start a blog and start painting my miniatures again. He knew that I'd I'd want to share them, and he knew that I'd want to get involved and communicate with other like minded people, and he was bang on the money. So that's 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 exactly why I got back into it, and and meeting yourself, meeting people like yourself and others, um, you know, online. Um, yeah, it's been so um, encouraging and rewarding in so many ways. You know, it's been great. I love the uh, the sense of community that we've got on the blog. Yeah, and I think um, for um, me and uh, who don't get to game as often as you would like, and um, for people that don't game at all, um, having that aspect of sharing what you're doing and talking about it is really motivational. Oh, for sure, um, yeah. Because I think the periods of hobby that I had um, earlier on and when I first got back into it after a bit of a break were characterised by a lot of just, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but just yeah. going from miniature to miniature and not having any coherency about what you're doing. But um, once you start, talking to other people and showing them your work and playing some games, then people start, you know, asking you, well, when are you going to do some more of those Eldar, man? Yeah. Really nice, those. Um, <laughs> it gets you pumped. Or, it? Yeah, it gets you pumped. Or you think, well, I need a Warband of Skaven to play these games in. Like, shit, I've got to finish them. Yeah, um, that's it. And yeah. it gives you that motivation to finish a project, um, whereas it's quite easy, I think, you finish a single miniature um, under your own steam, but I think having that outside source of inspiration and motivation helps you to get some of those other projects done, which you enjoy, but there's no way around it when you're sort of painting the 20th version of a miniature. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you start to get a bit tired. Well, as you know, I've started it's really works. worth it. I've started a Rourke's Drift project and, uh, yeah, there's a, uh, you know, I'm my own worst enemy because I've got so many Zulus to paint. <laughs> and I just actually today I just uh, managed to find a, a Mission Brown um, spray paint, so I'm hoping that can do sort of half the work for me. But, um, yeah, it's still a lot of miniatures to paint. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the encouragement that I get from... Uh, all of you people on the on the blog really, really does help, and I really, really appreciate it. But um, I also appreciate you talking to me on my podcast, man. It's been really, really cool. Um, I very, very much appreciate your time. Um, I know it's late on a Saturday night, but I assumed that it wasn't going to be past your bedtime or anything. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Happy to talk, and yeah, love what you're doing with the podcast. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can chat again. Love to. Well, yeah, I'll say goodbye. we'll say goodbye on the podcast, but I'll say goodbye to you personally, if, you, if that makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, hang on. There's just one thing I like more than eating humans, and that's listening to Imperial Rebel Podcast. So what have I been up to in our beloved hobby? Well, look, to be honest, it's just Hellgate, 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 and then even a little more Hellgate. I was very inspired recently by uh, Anna Polansk's um, version, uh, miniature version of Mike Franchina's artwork of a trench pilgrim. Now, I think I'm not really a gamer as in video games, but I think Skyrim has something to do with trench pilgrims i'm not sure but anyway they are sort of a, a classic knight kind of looking thing you know chain mail and swords and um big broad shields and that kind of thing but then they've got weird sort of almost dark mechanicus helmets or just really elongated spiky helmets um yeah, they're really cool. A really cool artwork from Mike Franchina. So look up that, or Franchina. Um, and look up Anna Polanski or Garden of Hecate um, as well. Like, yeah, just 
trench pilgrims they're they're interesting and there's a whole you know bunch of law that goes with it um they love nothing more than going to battlefields and finding heretics and just slaughtering them there and then so that kind of uh, spurred me on to make my own little uh, trench pilgrim war band so i've you know currently just chipping away at them that's it for imperial rebel orc podcast episode 11 it's been an epic one this time, over double the length of the usual standard time, but I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I hope uh, you join me for the next episode, episode 12. Big thanks to Classic 40K for joining me on this episode as well. It was great talking to him. He's a cool dude. If you'd like to email me for whatever reason, you can email me at imperialrebelork at gmail.com. You can also follow me or have a look at my work over on Instagram, which is imperialrebelork. And you can also follow my blog, comment, get involved, whatever you want, uh, over on WordPress, imperialrebelork. Until episode 12, you stay cool, people. See you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast.